Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Politics have changed around free trade in recent years. Interesting to find out why. We're going to speak with Sam Rodley now, who is a PhD student in political science at Western. Uh, Sam, thanks for coming back. Appreciate your time. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. You know, like, like I say, free trade has, it's never been a talk that everyone of every political stripe has easily agreed upon. I mean, we've gone back for years and years and years with spirited debate about whether free trade is a good thing or a bad thing, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's really kind of gone back and forth, and and in terms of exactly where people are, people on on throughout the spectrum are on on the on the policy is just kind of varied. Um, because at one point, um, if you were a liberal, you were you were very much in favor of free trade, right? Uh, whereas if you were a conservative, you were very much against free trade, and it's kind of flipped. It, it flipped in the 80s it and now. Flipped, right, yeah. I mean, it flipped more than back, once, yeah. right? Because, yeah, I mean, back in the 80s when we went into NAFTA and stuff, it was the conservatives that spearheaded that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was this real, because prior to the 1980s, um, a lot of conservatives in, in Canada and elsewhere uh, were really opposed to free trade. Um, and in Canada, uh, conservatives believed it would sort of lead to this uh economic integration with with the united states in particular which would kind of lead to this breakdown in national sovereignty and this sort of canadian cultural distinctiveness and and what happened is it seemed they seem to not quite abandon as much as downplay those those concerns in favor of these these um economic benefits or economic rewards of free trade but now it seems like in the last 10 or so years you see more and more conservatives starting to sort of re-engage with these kind of social cultural implications that they had sort of been downplaying or at least not emphasizing as much since kind of from the 1980s to 2010s or so. Okay, so let's pull those two apart. When we were talking about how it was supported by conservatives and conservative politicians and conservative parties, what was it about? It was about the economics, pure and simple. There wasn't a lot of the other politics. It was it was an economic argument at that time. Yeah, what's what's really interesting about free trade is it's is it's it's really interesting as this site of of these bigger ideological questions and these ideological conflicts because. Uh, it's always not it hasn't exclusively been seen through economic lenses as much as it's kind of seen as much as you could you could approach it as this very technocratic and complicated economic issue uh that's not how it's been approached politically uh, a lot of uh, people have have engaged with it in terms of these cultural national social uh lenses and implications um and it was more so these these cultural social social implications i think um, that led many, including conservatives, to have um, some reluctance or reservations about the policy, even though I think um, the kind of economic benefits of it in terms of increased, you know, efficiency and productivity are pretty are, are pretty clear and pretty compelling. And like you say, about 10 years ago, somewhere around there, right, we, we, we saw the shift and it wasn't about that anymore. Like you say, the, the political argument changed surrounding free trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could see 
in the early 2010s or so, these the sort of populist yep. uh, movements, whether whether it was the anti-EU stuff in Europe or especially uh, that sort of movement that brought uh, Donald Trump to power in 2016, um, you know, Trump himself attacked uh, the U.S. All the free trade free deals. Trade, yeah, yeah, and their and their the agreement saying that they were sort of rigged, uh, that the U.S. was failing, that it was against U.S. interests. And and his administration really tried to uh, reverse it, right? They brought in all yep. of these uh, protectionist policies. Um, and what's interesting is is Trump attacked it as an economic issue, as 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 the U.S. kind of suffered economically. But I think Trump and also the politicians in the United States that were kind of following in his trail um, are are actually seeing it more through a social lens that that. It's not so much that free trade produces economic inefficiencies as much as it hurts Americans, particularly American workers, um, that it's led to this total kind of emptying of the American middle class, of the American um, ideal, right, that it's, that it's led to this sort of cultural economic dislocation. And they really see uh, reversing free trade and bringing in these, you know, protectionist a very kind of government intervention, uh, industrial policy sort of sort of approach, um, as ultimately kind of restoring what they think is a is a kind of tarnished, you know, social fabric. Have we seen? And typically, as you know, um, and we've talked about before, is what happens in the U.S. slowly but surely translates up into Canada as well. And are, are we starting to see that? Have we seen that shift happen in Canadian politics too? Has the conservative stance on free trade become more isolationist? Yeah, you've only really at this point seen some minor allusions to it, um, particularly around this sort of anti or at least. Um, reservations about china uh economic integration with china you could o'toole for example um articulated what he called the canada first trade policy uh, mostly against pushing against um chinese interests but but polyev more recently has kind of spoken about um you know things like greater energy self-sufficiency yeah, greater yeah. food production self-sufficiency uh, but there hasn't really exactly been a full-scale attack on free trade um, nor have, have has Polly have really articulated a, a very comprehensive, uh, you know, renewed approach uh, to trade like like a lot of conservatives have in the United States. And Sam, I always say here on the show when you, when you want to understand why a politician is doing what they're doing, it's because it's to their own advantage. Their job is to get elected and then to stay elected. So whatever they do, that that's what their their eye is on most of the time. Um, but are there other reasons why they may want to sort of be changing their position? I mean, you take a look at what's gone on geopolitically, the economic factors around the world. Is 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 there a rational reason as to why your view on free trade may have changed in the last ten years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I tend to see it as this very sort of ideological driven, uh, shift, um, in the sense that a lot of, uh, conservatives who are committed to this set of, to this kind of defined set of political goals, a defined set of political objectives that sort of exist apart from their immediate interests, right? That they're sort of engaging with them and, and reflecting on them, which is pushing them in these new directions because I think, um, free trade was kind of brought in as this component of this bigger neoliberal vision in the sense of uh, these these goals that government should be kept as small as possible, right. 
uh, should should interfere in the economy as as yeah. little as possible. Should stay kind of as much out of kind of these these bigger social, cultural, moral questions as it could. Right? That it ought to be really neutral on them. Um, and what's happening now? It seems like now that uh, they've been pursuing this neoliberal vision for you know the last thirty or so years. Uh, you can see starting in in the populist pushbacks, uh, but but more so today that that there's a real uh, uh, discontent with it to see that that in some ways it was a mistake, right? That even though it perhaps led to these these economic benefits, there's these real uh, negative uh, social and cultural sure, implications no that question. they're interested in 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 fixing, and and in order to fix it, they're really challenging this idea. I think. Um, in the U.S., and it's not as not quite as influential in Canada, but it seems to be coming back. Um, they're they're really challenging these ideas that the uh, that a government should not interfere in the economy, that it should be as small as possible, and they're really trying to articulate this vision of the state and this vision of the government um, that's much more involved yes. in, in daily life, right? That's much more willing to take sides on these sort of cultural uh, questions. Yeah, to lead the charge, in fact, in a lot of cases. Um, Sam, thanks so much for your time. I got to run, but I appreciate you being here.